all of you this morning. <clears throat> I was studying for the message and just was struck with the Apostle Paul's words as he greeted the churches over and over. He greeted the churches um, with similar words. And those words were grace and peace to you. And um, I would just like to say that to you this morning. Grace and peace to you. It is good to be together. I'd like to bow our heads for a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, this morning, we anticipate you ministering to us and to our needs. Would you teach us? Would you teach me? And would you help me to be faithful to the word this morning? <clears throat> would you be with my voice? And would you guide our hearts into um, worship and receptive mode for truth this morning? Help us to be encouraged. <coughs> Give us wisdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we uh, sing a song occasionally here. We haven't sang it in a while, or I don't remember that we've sang it in a while. Uh, song number 488 in your hymns of the church. You're, I'm not going to lead the singing, by the way. I'm just going to read some, some uh, verses out of this song. But uh, you can follow along. It's 488, a mighty, mighty fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. I would like to read the first two verses of that song. And I thought maybe after the message, Brent would lead it for us. <clears throat> Verse 1 says this, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never fail failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. <clears throat> For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Verse 2, did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth is his name. From age to age, the same. And he must win the battle. That <clears throat> song caught my attention um, because of the subject this morning that I would like to talk on. The title of my message is The Christian at War. The Christian at War, that's the title of the message. And it is a statement that is um, a declaration of truth in a way. I don't know if you woke up this morning and 
thought about the fact that you are a soldier. I don't know if you ever wake up any morning and think about the fact that when I get out of bed, I am walking onto a battlefield. You ever thought about that? I don't know that I often think about it in that way. I don't often think about the fact that I am a soldier and my life as a Christian is a life of war. Now that sounds really sort of maybe for some of you a little bit scary, a little bit out of the box. After all, we're Anabaptists and we don't fight, we don't go to war. But I think you understand what I'm saying. Scripture clearly indicates and says, has words that talk about fighting the good fight, about doing battle, about armor of God, because we have an adversary. And that song in the first verse, about halfway down, said, for we have an ancient foe. We have an ancient foe. And he is full of hate. And wishes to do us harm. So this morning, I'd like for us to think about us, you and me, in a battle. And I have three things, I have three points that we'd like to work through this morning. The first point that I'd like to work through is a question. They're all questions. And the question is this, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, and let me just clarify that. When you and I became born again, when we took on the lordship of Jesus Christ and we are his servants, his children, we took on an eternal battle. We took on a battle. And sometimes I wonder if we really truly realize the depth and the intensity of that daily battle. And I wonder sometimes, I'm speaking about myself, I wonder sometimes if that actually keeps me from understanding the depth and the thoroughness of my salvation. Because I don't understand, or I don't take the time to understand the wickedness that I was saved from, the wickedness that's around me, that I'm stepping into every day, we just sort of go about our daily duties and we don't think about the realms of the unseen, the spiritual realm that is in control of the world and the powers that be. 
and the things that happen, the wars that are going on, the conflicts we see, all of what that is, is, is going on, we are part of that or we're in that. And so it sort of deadens. We're just sort of numb to that. It's a little bit like one of the philosophers said of old days. A fish doesn't realize he's wet until he's out of the water. Then he knows that he was wet. It's a little bit the way we are. We're so in this and so much part of this that we sort of don't catch on that we are really in a war, warfare, spiritual warfare. So the first thing we want to look at this morning, and you can turn to Ephesians chapter 2, by the way. Ephesians chapter 2. The first thing we'd like to look at is what are we up against? What are we up against? As Christians, as soldiers, if you please, what are we actually up against? The second thing is how should we fight? If we are in this battle, how should we fight? And the third and last thing is why? do we need to fight? Or you can put it this way. Why do we need to stay in the fight? Why do we need to stay in the fight? In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, I'll be reading that, and we'll be taking some points out of this passage, at least in the beginning. I have some other passages that we'll be turning to, but I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And can we just pause there and hear Paul saying that to us this morning? Can we just allow that to be a reality for us this morning? Those of us who are born again this morning, and the vast majority of us here are born again. Can we just hear Paul say, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now I want you to think this thing through. He is talking in past tense. He's talking to a group of believers. He's saying, this is, this is who you were. This is who you were. And he says it to us today. This is how you used to live, but, he says in verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us or made us alive together with Christ, 
by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Do you catch what Paul is saying to the Christians in Ephesus? He says, this is how you were, but God in his great love and his great mercy made you alive and you are now in him ready to do his good works of which he has ordained before time that we, do, that we would do. I'd like to look at three things that Paul lists in the first three verses to help us understand what we're up against. That's the first thing that I'd like to look at this morning. As Christians that are at war, and please understand, this is not, it's just a reality of being part of a kingdom that is different. We have an enemy that is bound and determined to do damage to us and to our God. And we're part of that. And unfortunately, un unfortunately, I, I, sometimes I feel that way, unfortunately, we are the ones that, that this happens in. I would say this, that I think I came up with a, a new thought as I studied, that there is not, not just here on earth and in our, what we see happening, but in the cosmos, in the unseen world, there is conflict going on. There are demons and evil spirits who are watching, and there are angels and righteousness and God who is over here, and there's conflict, constant conflict, because righteousness, light, and darkness don't mix. And I was reminded of the story of Job, when the sons of God gathered and Satan came along with him. And God looks at him and says, what are you doing here? And he says, well, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here. Where'd you come from? He said, I was walking up and down and across the earth. And if we know our stories in Scripture, we know that Satan, Lucifer, the angel, was cast out of heaven and is now tempting and deceiving and causing chaos and pain here on earth. So there is this battle, I believe, that we don't see, but we get glimpses of it and we feel it in our own persons sometimes. And yet it's so much a part of our life that it just sort of passes us by. What are we really up against? There are three things that the Apostle Paul says <clears throat> in the first three verses. The first thing that we're up against 
brothers and sisters, is the world. We are up against the world. Why is it important for us to know what we're up against? Why is it important? Maybe you don't feel this way. But I think it's important that we know what we're up against. We know who the enemy is. We know what his character is. And we know, at least to some degree, what, how he operates. I think it's important. Why? If we're ignorant, and we don't know it, know him, then we will probably fail. There was an ancient Chinese military strategist who wrote a book in 500 B.C., and just for your reference, I didn't figure this out. My son figured this out. He said that was about 50 years after Israel went into Babylonian captivity. Well, that was a long time ago this guy wrote this book. He's a Chinese military strategist. And the title of the book is The Art of War. The Art of War. He says this. He has a number of quotes in there, and some that are actually pretty amazing. But this one caught my attention. He says this, and I'm not going to pretend to or even try to pronounce his name. It's, it's not within my vocabulary. But anyway, he says this, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Now that's not scripture. That's a Chinese military strategist many, many years ago. But I thought about that as I thought about our battle, our war, and I thought about the importance of knowing what we're up against. What are we up against? There's three things we're up against. We're up against the world, we're up against the flesh, and we're up against Satan himself. Let's look at the world. <clears throat> the world. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says this, and then verse 2, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein times past ye walk according to the course of this world. Now, as I read that, and I trust as you read that, there, there, there's an automatic connection with something that's not good about this world, right? So there, there seems to be an insinuation that something about the world is not healthy. Now, in Scripture, the, world, the word world can mean a number of different things, especially in the New Testament. It can refer to the created world. Uh, even the universe, uh, we hear, we, we, and there's lots of passages that refer to that, especially in the New Testament, the world that God created, this earth that we live on, live in. But the one that Paul is referring to is not that. And he's not referring to people in the world but he is referring to a system that governs the world we live in. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Do you understand what I mean by the system? 
When you think of our society, especially Western society, if you think of global issues going on, what is governing all that? What is governing all that? Satan, right? He is the prince of this world. So it is that meaning that Paul is referring to. <clears throat> he, is, he uses the same term in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when he says we should not be conformed to this world. We should not be conformed to the systems and the edicts and the demands of this fallen world. But this is the world we live in. But this is the world that wars against our Christian freedom. It promises us peace, but robs us of the peace of Christ. It proclaims joy and happiness, but leaves us wanting more because it cannot bring lasting joy to us. It destroys our Christian beliefs and convictions. It calls for our love and affections and our attention, which turns us away from our real love and our first love and leaves us empty. This is the world, brothers and sisters, that we must engage. This is the world that is self-centered, self-serving, that says it is important that you succeed in this life. This is the world that says you must have gender freedom. This is the world that we live in. And this is the world that Jesus asks the Father to not take us out of. This is the world that he says, don't take my disciples, my followers out of this world, but please keep them from evil. That's what we're up against. The question this morning for myself, for you, is how is the world affecting me? How is it, is it robbing me of something? Am I adhering to the edicts, the allure, the pull of this world in any way? I could think of a couple for myself. And it was a little bit sobering to think about. If we allow, if I allow myself to be controlled by this world and overwrought with the things of this world, then I lose my ability and my credibility in the kingdom. And I lose my credibility with a lost world out there. You see, that's why Jesus said, don't take them out of this world. Because he wants us to be that, he wants us to be that, that reality of his kingdom in this world. We must fight against what the world offers us. And we don't have time to go through all the things. But think about it, brothers and sisters. What has the world offered to you 
How have you, how have I, given myself to it, and is it actually benefiting me spiritually, or is it hindering me spiritually, and so on. We are up against the world, the course of this world. It is self-seeking, it is me first. It is a world with philosophies that twist truth, that call good bad and bad good, it is the world that says accumulation is first and foremost. It, it is a world that says their wisdom is paramount. Gain worldly wisdom so you can succeed. And God says all of that is foolishness to me. That's what we're up against. And we must fight against that else we lose our ability to be relevant in the kingdom and to a world that needs to know about God. The second thing is that we're up against is the flesh, our flesh. <clears throat> and I'm going to jump down to verse 3 of our chapter, among whom also we all had our conversations or our conversation, our way of living was among those that were disobedient, the children of dis disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversations in times past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. The word flesh in Scripture has two basic meanings. Those two basic meanings are your actual body, your flesh and bones, your flesh and blood, like what you see today, your flesh. It is our earthly bodies, the ones that will decay when we die. The second one, the second meaning is the part of us that is fallen and sinful in nature. You understand what I'm saying there. We should understand those terms. When Apostle Paul in Romans says that our flesh wars against the spirit, he's not saying necessarily that our bodies are fighting against the spirit. He's talking about our carnal nature wars against the Holy Spirit that is in us. That part of us, that part of me, is self-seeking and self-gratifying. It is the part of me that pulls towards laziness. It is the part of me that pulls towards sinful deeds and thoughts. It is the part of me that likes the bad attitudes that come along and that harbors ill will. It is the part of me where my mind and my emotions cause me to sin. It is a part of me that, is that gravitates towards sexual sins and immorality in that way. It's that nature that is born in us at birth of a bent towards wickedness, a, a bent towards evil, and we fight that. Does that make sense? We fight that. We are to be in a battle against our flesh. Now the works of the flesh, 
are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those things give us a picture of our flesh when it is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's in Galatians, and then just another verse or so later, we have the fruits of the Spirit. So there's a contrast there. But this is what the flesh produces in us. I recognize some of those in me. Those are scary. Especially when he says, if you practice those things, I won't inherit the, the kingdom of God. The world and Satan minister to our flesh. They speak to us in our flesh. They bring pictures and images. They let us hear things, see things, experience things. It is in our flesh that we sin. And we sin with our bodies, not just with our spirit. So the flesh is something to be contended with. We must bring it into subjection. And it is the part that needs to be crucified daily. The third thing that we are up against is Satan himself. Satan himself. Verse 2, it says, Wherein in times past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That term, the prince of the power of the air, is directly referring to Satan. You and I are against, up against Satan himself. And just in case you think Satan is not real, he is real. He is a real being. He was a real angel. His name was Lucifer. And he was cast out of heaven because he, he wanted to be like God. And he was cast out of heaven. And he inhabits the realms of the unseen. And he is the sworn enemy of God and of you if you are a child of God. He is your enemy. He is a liar and a deceiver. And he can't do anything different but lie and deceive. You read that in John chapter 8, verse 44. Everything that he does is in deception and a lie. He twists everything. Brothers and sisters, we have to understand this. Everything that comes from him, and, and what's, what is so so terrifying about this in some way is that he comes it says that he comes as an angel of light he's got the ability to make himself look like he is good 
That's why we need to test the spirits. And he comes and he says, yes, but God told me this. You remember the, the story about the prophet in the Old Testament who said, who went and prophesied and then on his, and, and God told him, you, you, you can't go back the way you came. You have to go back the other way, another way. And then an, an older prophet of God came out and said, hey, but no, God told me to, that you're supposed to come to my place. How are you supposed to discern that? You see the angel of light process going on there? Hey, he was a prophet of God. Who am I to question that? We know what happened. He was killed because he disobeyed God. Satan has the ability to do that. Do we have the ability to discern that? That's the question that I kept asking myself. How do I know? How will I know? How can I know? He twists the truth and he makes you believe that it is the truth. He's a predator. Peter calls him a roaring lion. Walking about, looking to see who he can devour. I don't know if you've ever watched any video clips on YouTube or wherever about lions stalking prey or cheetahs or whatever. It's actually fascinating. Do you know what they tend to go for? What a predator goes for? Marlon, what do they go for? The weak one? Or the one that's falling behind? Or the young one? The ones that can't, can't keep up? That's Satan. The moment you were born, he began tracking you and me. He understands you better than you understand yourself. The moment you were born, he began to track you. Why? Because you are a creation of God himself. Although at that point you are still in your sin. But he's tracking you. He's tracking you. And he has a backlog, a history. He has, he has an SD card full of notes that says, Ah. That's his weakness. That's how he handles this and this and this. This is how I'm going to get him discouraged. This is how I'm going to work in his life. How many have ever read the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis? It's interesting how he works, how Satan works. He knows exactly the tune of my heart. He knows when I'm discouraged and he knows why I'm discouraged. And then he adds to it to keep me discouraged so that I can be ineffective, so I will be ineffective in the kingdom. That's Satan. He's after us. He's cruel and full of hate, especially against us. You know, those who are not Christians, he has them already. 
but he is especially cruel against us. And if you don't believe me, read the story of Job again. Job was a what? A perfect and an upright man. One that feared God and stayed away from evil. One that made sacrifices for his children's sake, who worshipped God well. And when Satan came, God said, my man's perfect. And Satan said, yeah, the only reason he's perfect is because you put a hedge around him. You protect him. You take that away, and he'll curse you. God said, go for it, except you cannot kill him. Remember the cruelty with which Satan attacked? He wiped out everything, including his children. And it says in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. You don't think Satan is cruel and vicious? He is. He is. And he doesn't care. He doesn't play fair. He doesn't care. He doesn't see you, oh, being discouraged and, and barely making it and say, ah, it's okay. You just, um, I'll give you a chance this time. Next time around we'll, no. It's not how he plays. He goes after us. How's he after you today? What's he doing in my life, in your life? Are we weak? Am I weak? Satan has genuine power, but he is not all-powerful. We must not fear him. We, we, we dare not fear Satan. His end is destruction, and he is a defeated foe. Not by us, but by Christ. We have not defeated him, but Christ has. And if we stay in Christ, we will be victorious in the end. Second thing, real quick here. How should we fight? How do we fight? I think just as important as it is for us to know what we're up against who our enemy is, it's just important for us to know who we are. Who are you this morning? Who am I? Let's go back to our passage in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that say to you this morning? Dana, what does that say to you? What? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just said, what does being raised up in Christ in the heavenly places with him mean to you this morning? Yeah, which means that we are part of his family. We are his. That's who we are today. Can we keep that in mind as we face the enemy? Remember, brothers and sisters, that you are in Christ. You are his. We are his. He died 
so that we can be that. It's important for us to keep that in mind. How does a son or a daughter of the king fight? Well, we must understand the battle and we must fight accordingly. We must understand that we are not fighting a battle of flesh and blood. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We must understand that our battle is a spiritual battle. It is not a battle of flesh and blood. We are not after each other. We are not at war with other people, but we are at war with Satan and his demons and all the things that he brings about and, and orchestrates so that we actually do sometimes get after each other, so that we actually, actually do get in each other's hair sometimes. But can we understand that the real problem is not you and me or anybody else, but that Satan is at work? And unfortunately, sometimes he uses us. Sometimes he uses me. That's a sad thing. We must understand that our battle is a spiritual battle. It is not a battle of flesh and blood. He uses humans, he uses nations sometimes, and principalities and demons are part of that equation. However, even though we live real lives with other people who are also living real lives in the flesh, our battle is not with the flesh. Paul gives us answers to those questions by implying that the real battle is in the spirit of our minds. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We are our, the, the battle that we fight mostly is in our minds. It's in our minds, brothers and sisters. We need to watch our imaginations. We need to watch how we assume things. I do. When I read through this and I started thinking about this, you know how easy it is to assume things? When we assume things, then our feelings get in the way. And we, we, we form arguments in our minds. Our emotions get in the way and it drives us. When I'm angry, discouraged, and depressed, anxious, when I have self-pity or I'm fearful or irritable, it is probably because I'm thinking, imagining, assuming something that is not true. You ever think about that? I'm guilty of that. How do we fight that? How do we fight that? In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We have to be on our knees. 
We have to be on our knees. And we have to be in the Word of God. I find that when I do that, I'm robbed of my peace. The peace and the joy that is mine in Christ is robbed. It takes it away. And it opens the door for strongholds to start happening. And strongholds are the places that we automatically start going back to. Automatically start going back to. Negative thinking. Negative thinking. That's a stronghold. I don't know what stronghold is for you. But if you don't watch it, Satan comes in and he just builds a nest right there. And he feels real comfortable right there. And when something happens and it pokes my whatever, he's right there. He's right there. We must fight God's way. And so I'm just going to invite you to look at Ephesians chapter 6. We're familiar with this. Finally, my brethren, verse 10 of chapter 6, be strong in the Lord. We must do it God's way. How many times do I try to fight this battle on my own? How many times do I just walk away and I don't even seek God? Or maybe I don't believe that God really cares. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. Not in yourself, but in the Lord. And in the power of His might. And then He says, put on my armor. Don't put on your own. Put my armor on. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. Your own armor doesn't work. The devil's got that figured out. My armor, he can't penetrate. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. What that speaks to me, brothers and sisters, if I don't take on the whole armor of God, then I will not stand. I cannot stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Not my truth, but his truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, not my righteousness, nothing that I can do, but his righteousness. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, ready, to talk about the joy that is in us, the gospel. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, which protects our mind, our thinking. I was talking with a brother the other day, and he said, I was wrestling with knowing if I was saved in the middle of the night. How many of you wake up at night and you wrestle, wrestle? Wrestle with God. Wrestle with Satan. 
Some time ago, I woke up and had the sense that there was something evil in our room. I couldn't see anything. I just had this sense that something wasn't right. I don't know. Prayer. Crying out. It left. Wrestling. Fighting. Against evil. Faith. The shield of faith. Take the helmet of salvation. And then take the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. We must fight God's way. We must fight God's way. And just for your encouragement, the armor that we put on is the armor of light. Romans chapter 13, verse 12. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. When we put on God's armor, it shines bright and it is powerful. Last. Why should we fight? Sometimes this feels really heavy, really burdensome. And, and, and the things that we're facing personally become really, really heavy. And it becomes really, really dark. And sometimes we're tempted. We would never admit it, probably, openly. Maybe to your spouse. That I just can't go on anymore. There's a song that Halal used to sing. It's, the plow is too heavy. I can't go on. And it's referring to scripture where it says, the person that puts his hand to the plow can't look back. And the song just acknowledges how hard it is sometimes in the battle. And you just want to let go of the plow. But I'd like for us to look at something. And it is for our encouragement, brothers and sisters. When it becomes daunting, when we're exhausted and overwhelmed, we keep on fighting because it is a good fight. We keep on fighting because it is a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Brothers and sisters, it's a good fight. It's a hard fight. But it's a good fight. We fight on because it is a fight for our faith. And it is a fight for the faith. 1 John 5, verse 4. For everyone who hath been born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith, Paul says. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all 
who have loved his appearing. Brothers and sisters, that's you and me. It's you and me. It is a fight for faith, but it's worth fighting for. It is a fight for righteousness and for sanctification. All of this is for our sanctification, and we must persevere through. I can give you some examples personally where I did not persevere through. And God has a way of bringing us back around and saying, no, got to go through this, got to do it again, got to do it again. Keep on fighting. It is a fight for the salvation and the liberation of those who need to be saved. It is a fight for salvation. How many times have we spent praying for people who need to be saved or who have walked away? Are we losing faith? We must fight for them. We must fight for the weak ones, the ones who can barely stand. We must be good soldiers for their sake. We fight so that they can regain their footing and become strong. And ultimately, brothers and sisters, we fight. Because that's where victory finally happens. If we give up, then we miss the crown of righteousness. It is a fight that ends in victory. It ends in victory over sin and Satan. Not on our strength, but on the one who saved us. And if you read the last book of the Bible, you read that we win. We win. Let's pray. Help us, Father, to fight well. Help us to trust you in the fight. Help us to give ourselves wholly and completely to you. I pray that you'd be with each one of us today and this next week. Help us to remember, Father, that you are with us. And that you will fight the battle for us. That you actually want us to give it over to you. Help us to have faith. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.